This, 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 Welcome to podcast episode number 824. We are the Fight Disciples. This is your first MMA show of 2024. We'll have a little look back at 2023 and, of course, get excited about what is to come over the next 12 months because it's set to be an absolute blockbuster year. Please subscribe to us. You could do it via our website, fightdisciples.com, and you could also do it via YouTube, where we are growing. Thank you very much if you're already on us on YouTube. If you're not, as of yet, you're just dipping in and out. Come on, hit the subscribe button. All you get is a notification as to whether we've done some content or not, and there's more content coming your way. It's all free. So hit the button and become a subscriber on our YouTube channel. Fight Disciples is what you are looking for. And yes, I am wearing a Buffalo Bills top. Why? Because at the start of the year, this little bad boy came in a mystery box because I wanted to get stuck into the NFL and get myself a team. So I bought myself a mystery box. The Buffalo Bills came up. So the Buffalo Bills are now my team, and we are the champions of uh, the AFC East. You saw it happen last night against all you Dolphins fans. You saw it happen. Hey, hey, the lucky charm is here, ladies and gentlemen. We're coming for that Super Bowl. We're taking out the 49ers this year, aren't we, Nicholas? No chance. We're taking you out. No chance. No chance. It's all year. It's all year. Are you going to stick with the Buffalo Bills now or are you going to change again with another mystery box starting next season? Or does it depend if they win? If they win the Super Bowl, is that it? You locked in with the Bills for life or you're already there? No, I'm, I'm Bills for life now. That's it. Oh, okay. The Bills have the Bills have never won the Super Bowl, man. Ever. Wow. In the whole history. Like the one of the original teams, they've got to the suit, they got to three back-to-back Super Bowls in the early 90s, lost them all, man. Never got never never won it. So this is the year. I can feel it. It's in my water. So you, so you basically support Spurs. The Spurs are the ah! NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you basically yeah. support Tottenham of the that, NFL. That's, that's okay. Yeah, okay, that's, that's where I'm at. Anyway, that's yeah. why I'm wearing the shirt today, just in case you're wondering. Yeah, in case you're thinking, what the fuck has he got on? Yeah, fucking yeah. hell, look at him. He's had a Christmas break and half, and he's got yeah, himself exactly. a new, he's got full kit. He's got full kit wanker on us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It fits you pretty well, though. What size is it? Must be a small. It's a medium. Don't, don't they have to put pads in and all that? Or are they just like the fan shirts? No, the, the, yeah, they fan shirts. You don't get the fucking full hit, do you? And plus, them buggers are like triple XL, mate. Yeah, that's true, yeah. That's true. You need to get yourself a 49ers shirt is what you need. I know. I used to have a 49ers, uh, like a patch with 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 the with the letter N on it. And it was bought for me when I was a kid, like literally tiny. And then uh, I had it put on to my golf bag. But uh, I upgraded my golf bag along the way and I lost it. So, yeah, I do need some 49ers merch. Maybe I'll wait until we win the Super Bowl in Vegas this February and I'll get myself a nice uh, Super Bowl champs Visor to wear on the show. Naughty. Mm. Anyway, for all you uh, football fans that have enjoyed a little bit of football over the last uh, few weeks, hopefully your team is now in the postseason and we can get stuck into some proper banter on social media. Football. Proper football. Are you talking about proper football now? Sorry, you need to differentiate. Yeah, none of that VAR nonsense. Yeah, fucking hell, yeah. Proper FA Cup football. Loved it. That Newcastle-Sunderland game was like a breath yeah, wasn't it? Absolutely mega. Yes. Anyway, let's not start on a negative. We're starting on positives. It's the new year. Yeah. People are buzzed up. They've already seen the announcements that have happened over the last couple of yes. hours. We needed them, didn't we? Right. We needed their announcements after six weeks of nothing. Do you know what I love? I'll tell you what I love about Dana, right? He's gone on his holidays. He's, I think he went out to the Middle East, didn't he? He's had his little holidays and he's come back and he's seen that uh, boxing and the Saudi Arabian fellas have gone. 
tell you what we're going to do. We're going to finish Riyadh's season with Anthony Joshua and Francis Ngannou. Then is, then is forming. He's forming at the mouth. He's going, get on the phone to Dustin Poirier and get that fight signed. Get it signed. I was, to, I was told pre-Christmas that that fight had been offered and it wasn't going to materialise. So something's happened along the way in order to get that ticked off. USC 299. For those that don't know too much about this, um, as we record this show on a Monday, woke up Monday morning, ready to get stuck into the programme. And Dana's on my timeline, smiling away, going, what's up, everybody? Here we go. UFC 299. We're getting Dustin the Diamond Poirier against Benoit Saint-Denis. Oh, my God, Dan Dez. And if that's not enough for you, UFC 300, just sprinkle this little bad boy in there for you as well, as Charles Oliveira is going to be taking on Armand Sarukin in the number one contenders fight for the lightweight title. Also, Dana goes on to say that uh, Islam Makhachev is currently banged up. He's a little bit injured. He's not going to be out until the summer, which kind of throws up a few little questions as to what's going to happen with Justin Gaethje, because we kind of thought that maybe Gaethje might get the Islam Makachev shout, especially with that Saudi Arabian car coming up in in, in March. Uh, but all that aside and all the little uh, narratives that we can talk about of what may or may not happen in the UFC, what is actual fight, is that those two fights are not main events. Mm-hmm. Not main events. Uh, Poirier, uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, on, obviously. That is a five-rounder, uh, though, isn't it? It's the co-main to... Yeah. Uh, Five-round co-main, yeah. Uh, Sean O'Malley, Charles, uh, and Cheeto. Peter. That's what it is. Miami, baby! UFC 299. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And of course, on New Year's Day, the mic decided to have a nice little glass of something red and tell everybody that he will be back for International Fight Week, didn't he? Whether you believe him or not, that he's going to be doing that weight. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. And whether it's... Uh, Michael Chandler, who knows, man? Who knows? But all things are looking good for the start of uh, 2024 for the UFC. Yeah, man. Absolutely incredible. And I thought, listen, I think 2023 was a magnificent year for the UFC and for MMA, especially for UK MMA. We'll come on to all that good stuff in a second. But just as you go into 2024, as you say, boxing's got to chit together, man. We've just finished doing a review and little look ahead podcast for the boxing show. I mean, I don't remember us ever starting the year so bright and shiny and optimistic and dreaming of the biggest fights happening because they can and should actually happen now, courtesy of Uncle Turkey. Whereas Uncle Dana in the UFC has been delivering the fights we want to see consistently for the last 20-odd years anyway. So I think this is going to be a massive year from the UFC. One, because the potential revival of boxing, albeit in the... In the in out in Saudi Arabia, not in the North American market, i.e., to compete with the UFC pay per view model. Mm-hmm. But also, I think that a big story coming out of 2023, and I'm yet to find out whether it's a positive or a negative for MMA, is the PFL buyout of Bellator. We knew Bellator had been for sale for a long time. We knew someone was going to pick it up. We knew the UFC definitely weren't going to pick it up because the, the best bits of the Bellator roster are discarded fighters from the UFC. But PFL buying it is a line in the sand from the PFL to go, right, we are now the second biggest promotion in the sport and our incentive is this. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing for the sport. We're yet to discover. Everything I've seen from the PFL so far, I've enjoyed. I've liked. I I like the tournament format. I like the fact that they're focusing on their real own talents rather than trying to you know, pick up strays from the UFC. Hmm. 
But then I'm also a little bit lost in where's their content going to sit globally? Is it going to be regular like UFC? Because that's why it works. That's why it's the secret of success. It's got to be there, same place every week where I can just digest it and enjoy it. Are PFL going to do that? They're talking about keeping Bellator going and doing PFL Global and PFL Pay-Per-View and PFL Super League Series and PFL Europe. It's all incredibly messy at the moment. I think they need to sort that out and hopefully they'll go in the right direction. Is it a good thing for fighters? Well, potentially if PFL can rival UFC pay scales, which they're saying they can, but is there any longevity to that because they don't make anywhere near the revenue the UFC makes? Also, you've now got then two options, UFC or PFL, whereas we did have UFC, Bellator, PFL, a couple more options. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know whether it is a good thing for the sport at the moment, but 2024, it's going to be pretty exciting this year to find out the actual direction of that organization and where yeah. they sit. I think competition is always good, isn't it? And I think of if course. you're giving fighters... I think from a fighter point of view, it's really positive because you get you're getting another option there, aren't you? And PFL seems yeah, but you get one opposite. less option because there's no Bellator now. Yeah, but what I'm saying is is that you're getting an option there which would financially recompense you. I know of fighters that have been offered uh, situations with the PFL, and it's considerably more money than they're currently on with what, whoever they're fighting with right right now. So I think from a fighter point of view, I think it's positive from from uh, a financial benefit. Is it, at the moment, right now, is that good for fans? I don't think it is. And the reason why I say that is because the UFC model is set up for fans. You all, People will always argue about fighter pay, and they'll always argue about this, and they'll always, they'll always make these points about certain things. But let's be dead honest about it. As a fan, as you sit at home and you whether you pay your subscriptions or whatever it is to these television channels, you want to sit down on a Saturday night and you want to be entertained. You want to see the best guys fight the best guys. You don't give a shit how much they get paid. Let's be dead honest about it. Let's stop lying about it. You don't care. You want the entertainment. Give me two, three hours of full-on entertainment, fight after fight after fight after fight. I don't care what they get paid, but just give it me. And you're getting that with the UFC. If some of those fighters leave the UFC because they can get financially recompensed better elsewhere, then obviously that dilutes the quality of the fight that you are going to be served with the with the UFC. And it also dil because the competition's still over on the UFC and it's going to be spread out towards the PFL. Are you are you basically going to be spread thin when it comes to the level of some uh, of competition that you're used to watching? Is that what we're going to get? That's my concern. Yeah, that's why I think the UFC works because it's all in one house. Every all the best people are there. I don't care what anybody says. The best people are in the UFC. It's just a fight, and that's why we get the level of fights that we get. That's why we get Dustin Poirier versus Benoit Saint Denis. There's so many reasons why those guys should not be fighting each other. So many reasons, but they're fucking doing it anyway. Mm -hmm. Why? because it's a sensational fight and the fans get something out of that. And I'm sure that the winner of that fight will get something out of that being propelled forward. So yeah, um, I'm concerned that maybe the regularity of the level of competition that we're used to seeing might dilute if fighters go to other franchises. Um, but from a fighter point of view, I think it's a good thing because you get the option of obviously making more though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that a fair assessment, you think? Yeah, I think so. Uh, listen, I think the, the, the not-so-secret um, 
reason why PFL were able to buy Bellator and move forward is this hundred million pound in, in cash injection from Saudi Arabia. Um, Dubai, Dubai, sorry, Dubai. Uh, is it Dubai? Yeah, Dubai is the uh, uh, the the family that are involved with the PFL. Right. Okay. Um, it might be Saudi Arabian backed, but I yeah. know that it's um, Dubai Emirates that were in. They were in Dublin, for example, for the um, for the European uh, finishes for for PFL. Because we can't come away from the fact that you know, basically, a lot of the boxing show was based on the reason we got a lot of fights and we're getting a lot of fights in 2024 and moving forward is this Middle Eastern influence on boxing. Yeah. Uh, and we can't, you know, the UFC have had a relationship with the Middle East for an awful long time with Abu Dhabi. It's my favourite event of the year every October going to Abu Dhabi. Um, but they are going to Saudi Arabia in March as well. And and that might be yet another move could, that could see a dynamic shift in this in this sport and how this sport plays out going forward. It's hard to compare. It's not apples and oranges. It's not quite, you know, because of the way... The UFC was set up originally as a business, or certainly when the Fatitas brought bought it out, it was set up more like American football than boxing. Whereas the creme de la creme, the best of the best, play in the NFL. Nobody talks about the CFL or the XFL because nobody gives a damn because the best players in the world and the biggest matches in the world and the biggest teams in the world all play in the NFL. And that's the way the UFC have had it for a long time. I think you're right. I think it's good for fighters that there's a, a another premier promotion doing international fights um, that are able to offer similar type money or even more in some instances. But again, we talked about the model in the, in the boxing side of things, at least that's Saudi backed. doesn't matter how much money you've got now. Can you keep pumping it in? If you're not getting the television and the gate receipt returns, which the UFC mm. have got, which, you know, every other promotion on the planet, you could probably add all their money together and they wouldn't come anywhere near to the amount of revenue that the UFC generates and is able then to pay its top-level fighters. I know people, especially a lot of boxing fans, like to go, ah, oh, UFC fighters get paid a pittance. They don't. The UFC featherweight champion gets paid an awful lot more than boxing's world featherweight champion. Fact. Okay. It's just a hot top level. And ask any baseball player, American footballer, even fucking Lionel Messi, if they'd like to earn the kind of money Tyson Fury gets for fighting a novice in Saudi Arabia, they would all love that money because it's absolutely freakishly overpaid, crazy money. So don't let that distort where you're at right now. There's a reason mm. why people at the top of the UFC are happy where they are in the UFC because they're earning millions and millions of dollars per fight. And that's what the PFL have got to try and get to to, a, to one day get us a position where maybe we're like, right, is John Jones going to leave UFC and go and fight in Ghana and PFL? Right now, that was absolutely, there's no way in the world stratosphere that could possibly happen. But maybe down the line, maybe in a few years' time, maybe PFL could get to that position where you would see maybe crossover fights. But that would be, that is certainly not on the UFC's. Again, the UFC is the NFL of MMA and they want to keep it that way. And as fans, Mate, you've got an NFL shirt on. You wouldn't imagine the Buffalo Bills won the Super Bowl and then went, right, we're going to CFL now. We're going to go and play in the Canadian League. You'd all be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm -hmm. Super Bowl's here, kid. There's only one yeah. Super Bowl. There's only one UFC. Look at you. Hey, company. Love that. Ding, ding. Right now, that's where we are. That's where. Yeah, of course. Is. That's how the sport is. Is it? Is it there's there's an a couple of things. An interesting year. Very interesting year. And there's a couple of things that I just want to bring up off what you just said there. First and foremost, obviously, we saw the merger last year 
of uh, UFC, WWE, all coming under one umbrella with TKO. Um, we've seen lots of chats and this movement that is going on in Saudi Arabia regarding boxing. I would not be surprised. There's always chat about whether Dana and, and his company, we know that he's involved with Callum Walsh in the world of boxing and they're mm-hmm. pushing it with Zuffer Boxing and they're, and they're, they're, they're bringing a show to Ireland at some point this year. I would not be surprised if there's further de- developments there where TKO, Zuffer, whoever, Dana led, have some type of boxing outlet, seeing as that they've got an MMA outlet, a wrestling outlet, and all these different bits and bats. I wouldn't be surprised if a boxing outlet comes underneath that TKO in order to satisfy the thirst of some of these guys that, you know what I mean, that are thinking to themselves, there's big money in that boxing. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if Dana sees that and he says, well, yeah, cool, but we'll do it. Uh, we'll do it under our house. Yeah. We'll have, we'll have our own promotional leg in order to maybe pair up with somebody in Saudi Arabia in order to make those type of things happen to satisfy the thirst of some of those fighters. I wouldn't be surprised if that materializes in the next 12 to 24 months. Uh, And you've just mentioned the Jones situation there. We've obviously seen Tom piping up on uh, social media talking about Jones, Stipe and listen, he's right. He's absolutely right in, in, in everything that he's saying. He's got to do what what, what he's saying. I personally think now just stepping back and analyzing everything there, the reason why the the UFC are probably so adamant as to doing the John Stipe situation is because the worst thing in the world... Can you imagine if John's cleared off and fought in Ghana in the PFL? Nobody wants. He can't. He's tied into his UFC deal. He's never, ever going to leave the UFC. It's like George St. Pierre. It's like fucking... Well, can you imagine, the, can you imagine that? No, I can't because it would never happen. Again, it's like Patrick Mahomes getting poached by the Canadian Football League. It could never happen because he's tied into his NFL, sort of 15-year NFL contract. John Jones is tied in as a mixed martial artist to the UFC. They've made him a multi-multi-millionaire. They've made him the poster boy. They won't get into a situation like they did with Ngani where they let his runner's contract out. It's just never going to happen. The only way that fight ever happens is inside the UFC octagon. And, and Francis Ngannou doesn't need that. He's been there before. Francis was the UFC heavyweight champion. Why go backwards? He's in the right place right now. He's earning more money in a boxing ring than he did in MMA. Yeah. Anyway. That, that, that could never happen. But yeah, I, I know what you're saying. Maybe one day in the future. Maybe in... in, in... My, my, my whole point is keep John happy. That's why this fight of... Uh, yes. Jones, well, it's the legacy Stipe. fight, isn't it? It's the legacy fight that Jones wants because Stipe is the most successful heavyweight in UFC history. And Jones wants that on his resume to go, right. Because if you look, when you talk about the greatest of all time and you, you know, you speak to GSP about it and GSP's like, mate, I'm, I'm, thanks for that. Yeah, you know, I also like this guy and that guy and Fedor and this guy. And then you speak to Habib gets talked about about it and Habib's like, mate, I just did me, you know, I just, whatever. John does the it. only one in that conversation <laughs> that goes, Yeah, I'm the fucking greatest is John Jones. <laughs> to John Jones, it matters. To John yeah. Jones, being the greatest of all time matters a lot. He wants that more than anything else. He wants to ride off in the sunset and be, Yeah, I'm the Muhammad Ali of mixed martial arts, bitch. That's what he wants. Now, he can never achieve that because of what Muhammad Ali did outside of the ring as much as what he did in the ring. But he wants that tag of greatest of all time more than any other fighter that's associated with that tag. How do you get that? Well, you don't necessarily get it by clearing out the next generation of a division. He did that once at light heavyweight. He beat all the legends. Then he beat the next generation. Then he retired. 
Now he's come back at heavyweight. He needs the guy with the most wins on his record, the most defenses, and that's Stipe. So why risk it again? The problem is for the UFC is, when that fight happens, when John Jones wins, John Jones retires. And then the UFC are kind of like, well, we've basically stalled the new generation of heavyweights just to satisfy John Jones. So that'd be Indeed. interesting to see where they go from there. Where, where you know how how they move then? You know, interim belts in the UFC aren't to be defended unless the champion is out injured. Champion ain't injured. Well, he is right now. He is. So therefore, the there is a call for for Tom to defend his interim. Cha- it has happened before, hasn't it? Uh, I think on three occasions, interim championship belts have been defended. Well, so sorry. Between when na- the champion comes back, he fights the interim champion immediately. Yeah, That's absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's that's what happens, but that's not what's going to happen. No. We know that that's not what's going to happen. So it's going to be interesting to see what Tom does uh, between now and uh, and that time. Uh, anyway, let's get stuck in, shall we? Um, where do you want to start with uh, with your re- your look back at twenty twenty three? Look back of the year. Well, let's start with fight of the year. Okay, let's, I've let's written down. Like- there's plenty, but I've written down one because I want to be. I want to be decisive. I don't want to be ambiguous with my picks. I'm just going to go bang. That's the best fight I saw last year. Okay, I've got five. <laughs> <laughs> go on then. <laughs> I bet. Do you know something? I know What's that you were in. A t- I know that you attended the one that I've picked. So it'll oh, be okay, see, okay. It, uh, it'll be interesting to see if you say it. Okay, well, let me have a quick look. I was at. I was at three of mine. No, one. Yeah. I was at three. Okay. So I'll start with the ones that I wasn't at. Yeah, go and on. I'll start I'll start in February of twenty twenty three. The big goat com- opportunity for Alexander Volkanovsky, the first fight with Islam Makachev in Perth in Australia. Brilliant. Nobody we give Volk a chance because he was so dominant to featherweight, but we didn't expect him to necessarily push Makachev in the way that he did. It was an incredible fight. It was heavily debated afterwards. I think we all agreed that Makachev won three rounds to two, but bloody hell, it was close. So I'm going to go with Makachev. Volkanovski definitely has got to make someone's shortlist, at least for being outstanding back in February. Then in March in London, we got an absolute cracking fight between Justin Gaethje and Rafa Fiziev. You said it. That that was the co-main event. Absolutely unreal. You were there for that. I know. You were with me. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was on that one, yeah. Rafa Fiziev was absolutely outstanding at the start of the fight. His kickboxing was electric, but Justin Gaethje just walked him down the way he does. Second round, it swings in Justin Gaethje's favour. He's overwhelming him. He's landing more telling shots. Fiziev's starting to slow down now. Then in the third round, Justin Gaethje put on a kickboxing masterclass against the former... Fucking Mai Tai head coach from Thailand, Tiger Mutai or wherever it was Fazeev was at. He was incredible. It became, usually it's skill and then down the road, the will. But in this case, Justin Gaethje had the will to come through the moment, then had the skill to rubber stamp a sensational win over Rafa Fazeev. So I've got that on my list. Fast forward to July, Pantoya versus Moreno. Absolutely incredible split decision. A new champion in Pantoya 
bit special for me. My prediction came to that he would be champion in 2023. Pantoja. There you go. Pantoja. Pantoja. Did I say Pantoja? Pantoja. Pantoja's win over Moreno. Uh, Absolutely sensational. That was their third fight. That was the third fight they'd had. Um, I've also got Max Holloway versus Korean Zombie because Korean Zombie went in there and went, right, in August, he oh, went, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let's never fight it. this, kids. Max Holloway's in that corner. I'm the fucking Korean zombie. I'm going to do Korean zombie things. Max is going to do Max things. And someone's getting knocked out, kids. And it might be me, but someone's getting knocked out. Kill or be killed. And he just went in there. Yes, he got stopped in the third round. Max was great. But I tell you what, what a fight that was. It reminded me of Brian Stan versus. Um, Brian Stan versus Vandalay Silva. When Brian Stan said, mate, I'm fighting Vandalay Silva in Japan. I'm not going to use tactics. I'm going to run at him and just have a war with him because he deserves it. And that was like zombie went, Max, do us a favor. It's my last fight. Can we just have a war? Yeah, man, let's go. And they had a war. It was brilliant. Final one. And this is more up to date. In December, we were cage side. It was special. None of the same caliber of those four, which were all either championship or co-main events. But shout out to Irene Aldana and yeah, Carol yeah. Rossa, who yeah. in December the 16th in Las Vegas went to war for three rounds. One of the best, the best women's fights of the year. One of the best fights of the year. Outstanding. Yeah, there, there were the two that um, because I was lucky enough to be there, they obviously resonate more. Um, but Gaethje Fiziv just tipped the, the one that we saw in December for me. Gaethje Fiziv was just, you, you watched it with an open mouth. It was awesome. that, it was that good. And anybody that was at UFC 286 in London, you got you got a real treat in that common event. Um, I know that it's only 15 minutes, but could you have taken another 10? My heart was pounding out my chest. It was it was, it was an unbelievable uh, display from Justin Gaethje and Rafa Fiziv in the first five minutes in particular. Heart, determination, skill, will, all the things that Nick said. That's mine. Gaethje Fiziv, I thought it was absolutely outstanding no complaints from me something very special before we do knockouts can i just whiz through a couple of the submissions of the year just because yeah very, they very rarely get love submission of the year especially right. on this side of the ponds but i've got a couple of crackers here have you got yeah. one do you know do you want me to do you want me to just list some now see if you're yeah, on your absolutely. list absolutely yeah yeah please do right and because i was thinking of the ones that we were in attendance for and obviously when mohammed mokhev uh, submitted Tim Elliott. Yes. Given the fact that he was getting beat, given the fact the position that he was in up against the cage, it was a very difficult technique to be able to pull off, and him to be able to do that against that level of opponent, against the guy that doesn't necessarily get submitted, I thought was absolutely truly sensational. We've witnessed two great submissions from your boy Shavkat this year. Um, the one on Jeff Neal's probably the better one compared to Standard the one against Stanley uh, Naked Choke. Yeah, unbelievable that one uh, compared to the one against Wonderboy. Wonderboy doesn't get choked out, but he choked him out. You know what I mean? Outstanding. The one that I would say is probably because of the stature of it is worthy of maybe the submission of the year is Grasso's on Shevchenko, probably because it's championship fight. It's Valentina Shevchenko. Grasso's the underdog. She comes in there and she does her business. But my favorite, mate, even though Grasso's probably the cherry on top of the cake of the one. My favourite's Davy Grant on Aston Hey, Of course it is. <laughs> what? 30 seconds that, to go in the fight. That, 
Yeah, but it's the it's the reverse. He's upside down. It's the reverse triangle. Everything about it is fucking batshit crazy. He set it up with that spinning back fist. Mate, it's mad. It's absolutely mad. And it's David Grant. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> for me, I'd say David Grant probably wins this. It's an unbelievable submission. Yeah, I had, uh, obviously, I've got Shavkat near the top of my list. Grasso, for, for the size of the fight, ending the Shevchenko domination, yeah. was probably on most people's list. The Mon Blackshear did a twist at the start of the year as well. That's a bit special. Uh, Diego Lopez, one of the breakouts, possibly the breakout yeah. fighter of the year, had a magnificent armbar against Gavin Tucker. If you remember that, he got him in the armbar and then twisted him over and fucking, it was just like a, like a snake. It was absolutely brilliant. Those are some of the standouts. There was a there was an actual anaconda as well. Carlston Harris landed an anaconda. Very rare submission in the UFC. That was against Jeremiah Wells. Oh fuck it, man! Let's give it to Dangerous Davey Grant. Fucking right. Inverted triangle. Third round against Rafael Asensau. Thirty seconds left on the clock. Probably going to lose on the judges' scorecards. Absolutely magnificent. An inverted triangle as well. Go on, Davey. I remember, Danger. yeah. The, it was weird that was it because there was a there was a change of position in the in the last bit of the fight. So I, I think Eric Nixit kicked off a little bit about it. But the spinning back fist, the the shot across the chops, and then to just be aware to be able to land it from that particular position was uh, was yeah, it was outstanding. Fair That's play, it was David David Grant. Well done, mate. Fucking right, absolutely. Oh, I think we're all. Agree- th- You're going knockout. All right, then go. On. Yeah, where were you going to go? Sorry. Are you going to go to the fighter then? No, 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 no. I've got, I've got an upset here as well, but I think everybody's on the same upset. But go on then, we'll, we'll go knockout. Knockout of the year, right? I've got. There's, there's been, as usual with the UFC, there's been some absolutely fucking massive ones. Um, let me run through a bunch of them. Ismail Bonfim started the year in January with a second round knockout of Terence McKinney. That was on his UFC debut, flying knee, absolutely face plants McKinney onto the canvas. Uh, Jesus Aguilar had a first round knockout of Shannon Ross. That was his first ever knockout of his career. And it came 17 seconds into the fight. That was in July. Cheddar, cheddar, ching. Robbie Lawler, baby. Robbie Lawler signed off in style on his career with a first round knockout of Nico Price. Made me $700 in the sports book at the MGM. Absolutely sensational. Josh Emmett's first round knockout of Bryce Mitchell right at the end of the wow. year. December, again, that December the 16th card, single right hand over the top, clean as you like, almost killed a man, unbelievable, thankfully Bryce made a complete recovery from it, but my word, what a punch that was, when you talk, at, when you talk about seismic moments, Justin Gaethje's knockout to Dustin Poirier, big right yeah. head kick, Leon Edwards style, Magnificent. Tom Aspinall knocking out the knockout king, Sergei Pavlovich, in the first round. Magnificent. Israel Adesanya coming back from the fucking shadow realm to knock out Alex Perea to win back his belt after three career defeats to him. Absolutely sensational. So, yeah, there's been some big ones as well. Edson Barbosa had a magnificent knockout of Billy Q in there as well. That flying knee. Uh, right on the chin, out cold. So yeah, man, there's been a bunch of them, a bunch. Which is your favourite? Oh, favourite. There's loads, mate. Obviously, when Tom does that to Pavlovich, that's a, that's a favourite moment. I think from a personal point of view, Emmett on Mitchell's one of them where you just open mouth watching something quite scary. 
incredibly scary when something like that happens. But the one for me were, and you, you've mentioned it amongst yours, the one for me that I look at and I go, that is the knockout of the year. Given the narrative building up to it, all the story in and around it, what it actually meant to then deliver it and deliver it in the way that he delivers it, Israel Adesanya and Alex Pereira. Just to, to have the bollocks, the guy's yeah. teeing off. Yeah. He's already knocked you out. Mm-hmm. To have the bollocks to stand in the pocket like that, take it on the on the hands, wait for him to touch you, and as soon as he touches you, I've got to go. You know that something's coming, but mm-hmm. I've got to go, and I've got to get him, and I've got to be accurate enough to get him. Mate, so when he throws... Mate, it's the it's the knockout of the year for me. Israel Adesanya knocking out uh, Alex Pereira. Brilliant. Yeah, there was a, there was a mad one as well. Manuel Torres knocked out Nicholas Motta at the start of the year with an elbow lead. He come into the clinch and as he come oh, in, yeah, he threw that. a right elbow, bang, knocked him out cold. That was worth a mention as well. But yeah, when you talk about levels and size, and you have to, you know, with all due respect, there's a few mega ones in there. But when you talk about levels, when you talk about a guy that's beaten you three times prior to that fight, knocked you out in the last fight, and you get back in there and you do that to him. What a performance, what a knockout. It's got to be Adesanya over Pereira all day. Yeah, outstanding. Um, con- Well, conversely, or alternately, whatever the word, fucking word is, made it all mm. over the place this morning. Um, upset. My upset... Upset of the year is Sean Strickland on Israel Adesanya. I didn't expect that at all. <laughs> I didn't expect that at all. Uh, and especially in the manner. Maybe maybe he could land that shot to to knock him out or something, even though he, he's not really a knockout merchant, Sean Strickland. I, I genuinely, when the fight was made, I thought, well, is he just mopping up the division? It's just one of them. It's, it, he had to fight him because he'd beaten everybody else and uh, yeah. Drickus Duplessis wasn't available. Mm-hmm. So Sean steps up last minute. And out, just mate, out points him out, beats him in every single department. He was just absolutely tremendous, sensational. The seismic upset of the year for me, Sean Strickland beating Izzy. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I'm gutted for Alexa Grasso, who obviously oh, yeah. dethroned Tina Shevchenko. And Shevchenko had absolutely been dominating that division, but. Strickland, you know, Grasso was in with a chance. We knew Grasso had tidy boxing and she was more than capable on the ground. She was going to ask serious questions. I thought Sean Strickland was going to get battered. I thought Sean Strickland was not more than a walking punch bag. We've seen him going with Alex Verheyen. and we've seen him get absolutely teed off against. And I was like, mate, is he's going to do exactly the same thing? And to go down to Australia, to take that fight at late notice, to just jump in and roll a dice. And look what he's done. He's changed his life. Sean Strickland now has become Mr. Relevant. He was irrelevant prior to beating Izzy. Now he's beaten Izzy. The man is absolutely relevant. Everything he says, everything he does, social media, you, he is, for love him or hate him, he is now a serious voice and a serious player in this sport. And uh, so for that reason, absolutely. And to flip that forward, he's got to be a strong contender for fighter of the year. It's got to be. What's he? What right? He's beaten. I'm just looking at the wins, man. He's had three fights this year. Yes. Is he's the standout, obviously, and that is big. It is. It is gigantic. When you when you look at fighter of the year, I can make a claim for one, two, three, four, five. I've written, I've written six. If you put Strickland in there, that's seven. Eight. 
actually. <laughs> I've got eight. I've got eight names down for fighter of the year. So who's on your fight of the year, Liv? You've got Islam Makhachev, who fought twice yeah. uh, against Volkanovsky and won the first one in a close fight, but, you know, still certainly won it, went to the Lions then and won it. And then the second one made it decisive, absolutely nailing Volkanovsky. You've got to have Leon Edwards in there probably as well. Too yeah. successful defensive as well to weight title. Put the fluke bollocks to de- to rest with Cam- with Kamaru. Then makes a successful defense. Who else I've have got, we got in there? Grasso. So I've got yeah, Grasso's in. So my my shouts are Pantoja. If you beat uh, if you beat Moreno and you defend against Roy Valen the way that you've done you've done at the back end of the year, I think you've had a good year. Justin yeah. Gates has had a great year. His win against uh, Fiziev. Yeah. And then obviously stopping Poirier. Uh, Dustin Poirier, Leon Edwards. Uh, I've got in there Tom's bounce back from injury, obviously taking care of Tybura and then becoming the interim champ against Pavlovich. Uh, Islam Makachev, as you've already mentioned, Alex Agrasso, I think you've already mentioned. You've thrown in Strickland into that pot as well, given the year that he's had. I'd even put in Alex Pereira. I think Pereira could be the guy. He's lost against Izzy, he's come back against Blakowicz, and then he's beaten Yeri Prahachka. That's a fucking comeback, man. That's a year. Fair play to him. Um, to, my to, first... a, to establish his legacy and do the one thing that Izzy was unable to do, mm. move up another weight division at the second UFC world title. That puts Alex Bahia in an elite club yeah. of UFC fighters that have won world titles in two different weight divisions. There's not many that have done it. And the way he's going, he could be on course to win, or at least have a go. I would, wouldn't say win, but certainly have a go. At a, at a heavyweight run as well. So I, I think, in ter- okay, to start it with that knockout of the year defeat to Adesanya wasn't the perfect way, but then to move up to light heavyweight and do what he's done in two short fights. Alex Bahia has had an incredible 2023. My personal pick, though, is Makachev. Mo Makachev. Oh, Makachev, sorry. Yeah, two yeah. fights, two wins, both against Volk. The, again, it's two wins, though, from the guy from the weight division below. That's he what the rest of the lightweight division would say. I, I agree with you. He was the pound-for-pound pound number one. To then take the mantle away of, well, I'm the pound-for-pound pound number one now. I just yeah. beat this guy. Yeah. No one expected Sean Strickland to go to Australia and defeat Israel Adesanya no. in the manner in which he did. It wasn't a lucky punch. Beat him up. That was absolutely incredible. Maybe that's the performance of the year. Maybe you're right. Maybe, yeah, maybe. maybe Makachev climbing to the top of the summit of pound-for-pound fighting is the one. It's been an unusual year because there wasn't a, a ton of activity. When you look at the UFC especially, I could only find one fighter that had four fights in 2023, and that was Lupi Godinez. She had yeah. four fights and won all four. She went 4-0 and this year. I'm talking about fighters who, who went undefeated. There was a bunch of fighters that went 3-0 in 2023. Shout out to Jayton Almeida, Ian Gary, Jack Della Maddalena, Elvis Brenner, Mateus Rebecki, Nick Dolby, Ariana Lipsky, and Vitor Petrino. They all went 3-0 in 2023. Also, so did Brendan Allen, Roman Kolivov, and Benoit Saint-Denis. And their 3-0 were all three finishers as well. Yeah, so yeah. they probably got a little bit more of a shout-out to those guys. Finally, shout-out, and this could be your prospect of the year, Tatsuro Ta- Taira from Japan. He's 15-0. He had three fights. He made his UFC debut in 2023. He had three fights, won all three. 
He had five fights scheduled and two pullouts in there as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he almost could have went five and out, Tayara. But Tatsuoi Tayara, he's uh, he had a great year in 2023 also. But all above the level we're talking about, you know what I mean? Talking about championship fights here, we're talking about big achievements. For me, it's between Makachev, Peheya, and Strickland for fighter of the year. I think you're right. Maybe let's give it to Makachev. Pound for pound greatness, isn't it? Pound for pound greatness. Um, who's you wants to watch? Well, I'll just give you one there. Tatsuro is definitely one to watch. 15 and 0. Three wins in 2023. A serious, serious player. Where have you gone? No, no. I'm just changing my headphones. You carry on, mate. I'm just changing my headphones. Maybe before we get on for Christmas, have busted up, you see. All right, okay. So before we get on to, while he sorts his headphones out, before we get on to our ones to watch, and I've got one to watch, he's got one to watch. Yep. We'll bring them to you in a short second. Stick with us. But before we do, quick shout out to some of the names that retired in 2023, because 2023, when you look back, when you look at retirements, Jesus Christ, some absolute legends of the game walked away from the octagon in 2023. So a shout out to a bunch of former champions here. Glover Tashira, the Korean Zombie, Amanda Nunes, Robbie Lawler, Fedor Emelianenko, finally, for good. Alistair, maybe, Alistair Overeem, Shogun Hua, Chad Mendes, Benson Henderson. Wow, talk about some absolute stellar names from the sport, all retired, <clears throat> as did Jorge Masvidal. But, nah. as we now know, Masvidal has unretired himself. So maybe he shouldn't be on the list of retirements, but some big, big names in the sport there walking away last year. What are they going to do with Masvidal? Is that, when, when Masvidal says he's unretired, does that mean he's just coming back for a bit of bare knuckle uh, <laughs> and uh, maybe a bit of Jake Paul or something it, it, like that? It'd be interesting to know exactly what his situation is with um, with his contract. Yeah, I'd be surprised if the UFC were in a position where his contract had run out. But uh, but yeah, he's. Uh, I, I presume it's to come back and fight in the UFC. I didn't really think of anything else. Give Nate Diaz a shout for three hundred, man. Let's go. Let's do part two. Right, come on. Then who's you want to watch? Um, Michael Venom Page. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're not having him. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm delighted that he's in the UFC. Um, there's been lots of chat whether he is or whether he isn't going to be doing it. We've seen him in the uh, in different cages, haven't we, over the last three months. Got him with uh, Cedric Dunby at the PFL show in Dublin, didn't we? And we thought that that might be the direction, but he's gone. UFC, we're seeing him. Kevin Holland, UFC 299. What a wonderful start. Fantastic fight, that is. Uh, so yeah. looking forward to seeing Michael Venom Page do his thing. But we can't have him as a prospect, seeing as that he's had, what, 20-odd fights in Bellator and whatever. Um, so I've got two for you, okay? I've got okay. one inside the UFC currently and one outside of the UFC that might come, all right? Okay. Uh, so the one inside the UFC, I've seen him fight a couple of times. Um, I'm really impressed with him every single time. Brilliant stand-up striker. Um, I'm told, we haven't witnessed it as of yet, uh, but I'm told that his all-round grappling game is very, very good as well. I'm going for Joshua Van. Um, mate, I can't say enough about this kid. Every Like I say, every time I watch him, he's top class. I think by if we can get some activity out of him, he might end up getting himself a solid ranking, 15, 14, something like that, by the back end of the year. So I'm not saying championship or anything like that. I'm just saying that this guy could be 
uh, one to watch this year when it comes to getting himself ranked in the UFC. My one outside. How many, how many are there in the UFC? I think he's a five. I'll Fuck just confirm. Okay. I'll, I'll just confirm. Why? What have you done? He's pretty established then, isn't he? But, oh, um, shut up, you. <laughs> might even be. Might even, how many am I allowed then? You've just had them. How no, many how, many, how, many, how many am I allowed within the UFC? Oh, two within the UFC. So sod off. Two's enough. Yeah, two sound. Yeah, oh. Go on then, what's yours? Um, I'm going to stick with the fatherland and I'm going to go with Azat the Kazakh Maksum who is <laughs> who made his UFC debut um, not too long ago. He made his debut against Tyson Nam uh, in July or August. Uh, he, had a, he had a fight scheduled actually for the for the back end of the year it, it didn't it, against Nate Maness. It didn't come off. He's now fighting Charles Johnson on February the 3rd. That will only be his second UFC fight, but um, he's absolutely unreal. He's 17-0, 11 finishes, like a little version of Shavkat, man. Can do it absolutely everywhere. Mostly a submission guy, but obviously carries a bit of power as well. Like, like Shavkat, I think, of his 11 finishes, six subs, five knockouts. Beating Tyson Nam on your UFC debut is fucking serious. That's a serious statement to make. So, yeah, Charles Johnson, again, another great opponent for only his second fight. If Azat the Kazakh can get a few fights under his belt this year, mate, seriously, keep an eye on him. Quality. Okay, okay cool. Um, my one from out... Is he... So, you've got... Have you got one outside the UFC? He's in the UFC. UFC. He's, had, he's had one fight in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah. But have have yeah, you got yeah. one outside the UFC yet or not? Yes. Okay. My one from outside the UFC is uh, currently... He is a champion outside of the UFC. He is under the octagon. Yeah, that's where Azat the Kazakh's from. Oh, hello. Um, some tasty little fighters coming through that uh, that promotion. Uh, so I'm going for right. Felipe Lima, Brazilian, who is fighting out of Sweden. He's in uh, the All-Stars gym at the moment. Looking really good, undefeated, bantamweight. Uh, Felipe Lima, octagon champion at Bantamweight. I think he might get a call this year. You know, I've just got, I've just got a funny feeling that he just might get that shout. And if he does, I think uh, he could set the UFC on fire. So Felipe Lima, for the guy that is outside of the UFC, Joshua Van is my guy inside the UFC right now. Who's had two fights? Ooh, lovely. Right, my one to watch outside the UFC. You might have heard of her. She's from Manchester. She comes from a kickboxing back. Don't you dare. Don't, don't you dare pick mine from last year, you cheeky bastards. You cheeky bastards. <laughs> that, that would just be absolutely outrageous. Oh, dear. She's good, though, no, isn't she? Yeah, she's fucking outstanding, yeah. Um, you know what? I'll stick. I'll stick with PFL. Though I'll spread the wealth around, and I'm going to go with what? Go away, <laughs> wife. I'm going to stick with PFL. I don't think it was. Was no, it? Do <laughs> me, I did. I'm going to stick with PFL. I'm going to stick with the females as well, and I think she had a quiet 2023, but I'm expecting massive things in 2024. All action style, big amateur experience as well. 
fought on IMAF many times. I'm going to go with Chanel Dyer, the flyweight from London. She's only 22. She's only about four or five and oh as a pro, but she's got so much talent, so much ability. So I'm going to go with her as my one outside the UFC one to watch. I'll tell you what, listen, I'm not tipping her for big things, but what I am tipping is that we might actually see her in a PFL cage this year. Uh, Savannah Marshall. Yeah. Tra training her ass off in the Aspinall gym. Uh, working incredibly hard with Andy Aspinall on uh, grappling and takedowns and all those types of things. We all know that she can strike. She's a big girl and she can fucking crack, especially in four ounces. It's going to be super, super entertaining to see her do that. Um, but I know that she's working incredibly hard. She's been spending a lot of time there and her plan is to fight inside a PFL cage at some point in 2024. So that could be exciting too. Well, there's obviously a super fight there for her, yeah. isn't there? In, in, in I don't think it'd be immediate. I think you build it, don't you? You do two or three, and then we, and then yeah. we get there. There's a massive fight, obviously. There, the, the rematch in the in the cage makes so much sense for PFL and the direction they're going in. So I understand why she's doing it. So, uh, yeah, man. Do you have any? Listen, because we said this on our boxing show. Um, because of the money that is now coming from Saudi Arabia, it's very difficult to kind of predict the things that are going to happen in the world of boxing. Um, MMA. In the world of boxing, because of what's going on in Saudi Arabia, it's hard to do that. I think it's a little bit because we're so used to the UFC just constantly delivering yeah. the big fights, we get what we want, all these types of things. So you can kind of make mad shouts and you can kind of make a few crazy little predictions as we as we float around the next 12 months. So I think this is the place to do it, mate. There's people listening to the show. They're going to have their own hopes, dreams, wishes, fights that they would like to see. We've got UFC 300 coming up. We haven't got a main event for that as of yet, have we? Uh, we've got International Fight Week where Connor said that he's coming back and doing his thing. Uh, and we've got prospects coming through that uh, that could go on to do, uh, to do fantastic things. Question for you, right? Let's throw it all out. Do you think we've got Leon Edwards, we've got Tom Aspinall. Will Britain have another belt holder this year? No. Okay, fair enough. I agree. Who's the closest, do you think? Well, Little Mo, I would have thought. Yeah. It's got to be Little Mo, or potentially Arnold Allen. Arnold's got a massive fight against... Uh, coming up, hasn't he, against Evelowev, which would absolutely mm. put him straight back into the title equation. And the good thing from Arnold Allen's point of view, is the fact that I really do fancy Taporer against Volkanovski in February. And mm. I think if that happens, that could be... Um, I don't know whether that's a blessing or a curse because Taporer then it becomes fresh meat and the entire division gets fresh opportunities. But I think Taporer then would put pressure on to want to do a home defence, which could take us to Madrid, yeah. which could lend itself well for Arnold Allen to get an opportunity. So I think Arnold Allen's probably the closest because he's literally, again, just one win away, maybe two wins away. But I don't think little Mo Mokhev's too far off either. So yeah. uh, if I had to put money on it, I'd say Mo potentially might get the opportunity first. But still, I think it'll be one of those two guys, if yeah. I'm totally honest. Um, do I think we'll end the year with two UFC belts? <sighs> That's a different question. Will one of those guys get the opportunity this year, potentially? Do I think Tom and Leon both hold on to their belts this year as well? The big question is, does the UK end the year with less or more belts than it's got now? I would say... Get off the fence! 
Stop it. Because you know that they both watch and listen, right? So get <laughs> off the fence. <laughs> I think it's going to be... I think UK MMA had an incredible year in 2023. And to end the get year with two off quarters unbelievable. the fence. Can that continue in 2024? You got down right to can. You That's got it. down right to can That's continue in 2024. See. We won three belts by the end of the year. There you go. I've gone full Bisping. Gone Good full lad. Bisping on you there. Good lad. I Listen, I agree with you on the um, Momoke of probably being the closest. And I'll, I'll explain why in regards to Arnold Allen in a minute. But from a more point of view, I think that division's wide open. And I think it's he's two wins, two good wins. And because of the quickness of which those flyweights fight, he could fight yeah. in December. That's why I'm yeah. thinking it could be a December title shot. He might not win it, but I think he might get a shot in December. If not, I think he will get a shot in 2025. So I think he's the closest. Arnold Allen. Do you think, because obviously I, I personally think that Pantoja would still have the belt. Um, do you think Moe's grappling jiu-jitsu style is strong enough to compete with Pantoja's strictly jiu Brazilian jiu-jitsu? Pantoja's jiu-jitsu is outstanding. I think Moe's got is to trust Mo's striking grappling style. Uh, that, that, that's that's the issue. Yeah, I think Mo would Mo wants the fight to be on the ground. That's Mo's bread and butter, and we've seen him dominate fighters and get finishes and pull wins out of the bank. But I just think the Brazilian jiu-jitsu acumen of Pantoja, the champion, yeah, might just be the eliminator, the 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 kryptonite to Mo's wheelhouse. So Mo's gonna have to reinvent himself to beat Pantoja. He's gonna have to find something else. Or trust himself more in, in different aspects of martial arts. We know he can do it. It's just whether he trusts himself at this at this level to be able to and do it. And that's not a mock on Mo. We're talking no. about the best guy in the world. Pantoja's yeah. the best flyweight in the world. Can Mo defeat him? He's got the tools, absolutely. But his strongest tool is also the strongest tool of the champion, I would argue. Yeah. So that's what makes that fight really... And he's got a lot more experience, a lot more wins, a lot more everything else. So I yeah. think Mo is really going to... To become champion in the UFC... Mo's gonna have to beat the best guy on the goes without fucking saying. Do you know what I mean? Sure, beat the best guy on the planet. <laughs> but, you know, unlike the middleweight division where you're like, is Strickland the best middleweight on the planet? Probably not. But he's got the belt. It opens that division wide up. Right now, I feel like Volkanovski is the best featherweight on the planet. But Tapora's coming for him, man, and he's yeah. coming for him in a big way. And if Tapora wins. Maybe, maybe for Arnold Allen's sake, maybe you need Volkanovski to win. Maybe you need Volkanovski to keep that belt, yeah. keep that fresh meat moving. That's it. And you're coming off a big win over Ivlowev. You're in pole position then to go. He's never fought me, kids. Give yes. me the shot. There you go. And that, and that's the scenario I think for Arnold. I think he needs Volk to win. I think Volk's really up against it against Tapuria. I'm like you. I think Tapuria might just nick that fight, of which then sets up what he wants. Come back to Spain and defend and all that. And if I'm Tapuria, I want a name. I want Max Holloway. You know what I mean? That, that, that's what I want. Um, so, therefore, I think it might just delay uh, Arnold Allen getting himself a shot uh, again into 2025. So, in regards to my own question, no, I don't think we add to belts this year. But I absolutely believe that we will still be in the same situation in 12 months' time. I think, I think John Jones is going to mess this around a little bit. I think Tom, as it stands this time next year, Tom will still be classed as interim. Jones, we know he's probably walking away, but he hasn't walked away as of yet because he's doing John Jones things. But I think Tom will have had two defences of that interim belt. And 
Here's my mad shout for next year. Leon Edwards, two defences, first man to beat Shavkat. There you go. There you go! Come on now! If anyone's going to beat Shavkat, it's Leon. That's the only guy I can see at 170 that beats Shavkat. Honestly, he's the only guy. Leon. That's the fight. And and, and, and the way Shavkat's going, he can't can't be... No, no, but the way Shavkat's going... It's not like he can be avoided now. People categorically see yeah, that yeah. Shavkat is got to get a title shot this year. So regardless of whoever wins between Leon and Bilal, and I believe that Leon, who was winning the first time he fought convincingly before the IPO, I know we only seen a few minutes, but you know Leon was. I think Leon's above Bilal. I'll be honest. I think Leon's going to have to face Shavkat later in the year, and you know how I feel about Shavkat, and everyone's on the on the on the train with Shavkat now. We can all see it. We can all see what this guy is. He's an absolute finishing machine. But over 25 minutes, Leon is sharp enough, shrewd enough to ask serious questions that no one's asked before. It's about keeping that distance, keeping that separation, and working that takedown defense. All things that Leon has proven he is absolutely electric at. Leon's at the best, his physical prime right now, yeah, which is so exciting. Is Shavkat his physical prime? We don't know. We yeah. don't know. He's still a bit of an enigma. Yeah. So I think that could be the super fight of the year. And I, I think it might even spin out to be more than one fight. I think it could be that good. Yeah, baby. Have you got any mad shouts for new champions this year? Uh, I think in terms of new champions, I think we'll get another Nurmagomedov champion in 2024. His name's not Habib, his name's Umar, but I think Umar will be bantamweight champion of the world this year. Oh, so you think he'll I take also, Sean? I think he'll take Sean O'Malley, yeah, if Sean's still got the belt after do you he think, do you think Chito U- Vera. Okay, so you think Umar will be next in line after Cheeto? I think Umar needs, Umar needs a Dominic Cruz, or he needs uh, you know, someone like that to move him up those rankings quick. Okay. But don't come away from the fact that Umar, towards the end of the year, if we go, well, when we go back to Abu Dhabi in October, if if, um, Islam isn't available, if Islam's defended his belt in the summer, if Israel picks up a knock or whatever, we need that, you know, Dagestani kind of influence on that card because that's where those fans are coming from. That's where that energy is, that whole Muslim fighting community. I think Umar might get a shot. It might not be Sean. It might be a Cheeto. So, you know, if Cheeto beats Sean O'Malley, there ain't going to be a third fight as much as Sean O'Malley's the, a wicked poster boy for the UFC. If Cheeto beats him for the second time, there ain't going to be no third fight. I could see Cheeto having to defend against Umar in Abu Dhabi at the end of the year. I think Umar could win. So I think a new Nurmagomedov champion. And my big prediction for the year, I was going to say, the UFC in Manchester then, but it's not really a prediction. We kind of know that's going. Um, my big prediction for the year is... I've already said, Ron, that a 300, haven't I? So I don't yeah, need to go over... Yeah, you said that in the previous old, show, yeah. ...all ground with that one, yeah. What was my prediction? <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I'll come back Bro- to me in a second. Brock's coming back. Brock's back. <laughs> Brock's back, baby. I don't know, man. I don't know. I think 
Dana's got something up his sleeve as always. Like this could be a this could be an absolutely gigantic year for the UFC. Do you know I'm gonna back Israel Adesanya to become champion again. I don't think he'll fight this year. I can't see him coming back. I think he's gonna have a year out. He'll be back, mate. You'll see. I hope so. You'll see him at International Fight Week. I hope so. Um, I think I'm I'm gonna back Israel Adesanya to become champion again, and I'm also gonna back Erin Blanchfield. Oh yes, to, to become champion this year. Good shout. Um. Listen, Good Grasso's shot. brilliant. Grasso's brilliant. I think she's fantastic. And, and I can't see, just with the way that you look at the female divisions, Zhang stepping up to fight Grasso would be interesting, but Zhang Nan is the biggest fight, and that's massive for Asia in it. So you mm. probably go down that route. What do you do with Grasso? If uh, Blanchfield comes through uh, uh, the Fioros of this world and whatever which she's doing, I think Blanchfield versus Grasso's massive, and I think Blanchfield's just, she's just a powerhouse, mate. And that's yeah. that'd be my tip for Blanchfield to become champion this year. Yeah, UFC Kazakhstan. That's what I'm hoping for this year. <laughs> Can you imagine? You've been like treated like royalty out there, mate. You'd I be well looked after. Love it. UFC Kazakhstan is the one I'm. I'm going to think that into existence. I'm going to put positive thoughts out there towards a UFC Kazakhstan. You did it, we with saw You got yeah, that exactly. Exactly. We saw a lot of belts change hands in 2023. Do you think there'll be as many belts changing hands in no. 2024? No, I think we had uh, Anne New 11 times, didn't we? We had vacant titles. We had a few vacant titles, uh, interim, obviously, and we had uh, full titles change hands. So we heard Anne New 11 times in the UFC. I think, yeah, I'll tell you now. I've written it down. I'm going to go for, oh, one, two, Three, four, five. I'm going to go for five. And twice in the same division. Oof. So we've got, what, 11 weight divisions? Yeah, because there's not really a female feather anymore, is there? No. I'm going to go for five and news. Um, and like I said, two in the same division. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you have picked anybody other than Leon Edwards to be the champion at the end of the year, mate, I'm going to tell him this time. You did this because <laughs> you did this last year. I had Shavkat last year, didn't I? Yeah, no, you did. Shavkat, man. Oof. The thing is, the beautiful thing about it is that. It wouldn't surprise me if there's another 11 or another 10. Because the best people fight the best people all the time. Yeah. And at the moment, you look at it and you think, dominant champion, this person's doing this. I mean, if you remember the dominant year that Kamaru Usman had, and then he stepped in and he fought, and then it all went the other way for him against um, Leon Edwards. This happens. You have fighters that have dominant years, and then it goes the other way. And I think that you might see a little bit of that. For example, Alexander Volkanovsky, what a champion he has been. Mm-hmm. But he's getting to that age now. And you know that I harp on about 35-year-olds in those weight, uh, lower weight divisions, taking on yeah. a, a young, hungry killer. It's going to be a tough fight. He's going to have to defy a little bit of uh, biology in order to come through the Tapura fight. Yeah. I can see a new champ there. Mm. Do you think Islam loses this year? No. I do. 
Do you? Yeah. That lightweight division is too solid, man. There's too much talent there. Well, you've got... You've, we just matched up Oliveira and Sarukian, so the winner of that is going back towards Makachev, and Makachev's beaten both of them. The Sarukian fight was super close, man. I know super it was. close. And it was and it was Sarukian's debut. Yeah. I think Armin Sarukian beats Islam this year. That's where I'm going with it. <laughs> I'm going there, man. Look at these bombs. We're dropping them for fun now. Dropping them there. for fun. I'm going there. And I'll tell you what. Oof, Benoit, France could have its first champion, man. Benoit Saint-Denis could be the guy. That's the same division. No, no. I don't mean this year, but, you know, he's on his way, man. If he beats Dustin Poirier, Benoit Saint-Denis jumps from 12 to number three in the world. That is a serious leap. And we've been talking about lightweight for so long. There's so many fucking killers at lightweight. It's unbelievable. And if you look at the top of the division, when you've got Oliveira, Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, you know, even Darius, Dan Hooker. He... These are guys, Rafael de Sanyos. These are guys that have been around for a long time, man. Mm. A long time. And I feel like 2024 could be the year lightweight looks completely different. Yeah. Completely different. When you've got the Benoit Saint-Denis, the Jalen Turners, the Gamrots, the Tarukians, you know, and they're just the guys who are, who are currently ranked. When you look down into the 20s, there's frightening monsters down there as well. The million-dollar question is, how do we plop Paddy through this fucking <laughs> list of absolute villains <laughs> to the top of the tree? That's what we need to do. Jesus Christ. I'll tell you, that, that's another thing I'm looking forward to this year. Molly McCann, the strawweight. Mm. Really looking forward to that because that's something that we've talked about extensively in the past where physically she could, but maybe, you know, now it's about... Not if she should, but now it's about she's got to. Yeah. She's got to. She's at a point in her career now where it's like, you got to go for it, kid. you got to try and make something happen. And I think uh, her move down to strawweight this year could be one of the most interesting things. I think Lerone Murphy's charge continues. Yeah. What a fight he's got, by the division. way. What a Brilliant. fight he's got. I've been calling for that fight for so long. That is the perfect fight. So I think there's big moves there for Lerone. He could have a big year. Laurent could Huge. be the biggest mover when it comes to British fighters in rankings. Domestically. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. He could he could be the biggest mover. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if he beats Danny Gay, jumps straight up to 13, and then you're looking above him there. Bobo, where's Barbosa? Barbosa's at 11. Bryce Mitchell's at 10. You know, Calvin Cater, Josh Emmett. These Calvin are the names that talking about. That's the call-out. That's the call-out. Call-out Calvin Cater. Perfect yeah. fight. Wonderful Those stylistic, the names, brutal fight. Anyway, there you go. Eh? 2024 is looking good. Dana's dropping big fight announcements. We're getting extremely excited, making big calls for what could come uh, in the next 12 months. You know that it's going to exceed everything that we've just said. It does it every year. We make these mad predictions and then it just goes to the next level. It's going to do it again <laughs> this year. Um, we've got UFC 300 to come. We've got a UFC Manchester to come. Um, and we've just got, hopefully, hopefully, imagine if we got Jones and Aspinall this year. Imagine. Oh, yes. Imagine that's my dream. Did. That's my dream fight for the year. Yeah. yeah. If I can only make one fight this year, it's Jones after beating Stipe. Sorry, Stipe. But after beating Stipe, it's Jones, Aspinall, unification, heavyweight title in 
Vegas in December or New York in November. <laughs> yes. That's the me. one. Give it. Yes. Uh, there you go. Let us know your dream fights in the comment section uh, and obviously get stuck into the things that we've been speaking about on the show as well. I'm sure you've got your own thoughts. Thank you very much uh, for rejoining us in 2024. And if you are new to the Fight Disciples, make sure you subscribe to us via our website, fightdisciples.com or via the YouTube channel. Fight Disciples is where we're at. Uh, we'll be back later on in the week. Light heavyweights are on deck this weekend uh, to kick off uh, the brand spanking new year. Johnny Walker. Uh, rematch. Uh, yes, in the rematch this weekend. Looking forward to uh, to seeing those boys going at it. So we'll give you a preview on Thursday of this week. All right. So thank you very much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, subscribe via iTunes.